Good afternoon. It's Thursday, the 30th of June, 2022, just after one o'clock. Welcome to UK Column News, your host today, myself, Brian Gerrish, and I'm delighted to be joined by Debbie Evans, our nursing correspondent. Welcome Good to afternoon. the studio, Debbie. Thank you. OK, well, we are seeing a picture of really fear and chaos break out in UK. We're going to have a look at some of the things that are going on at the moment, and we're going to make some comment about what we think is happening. Uh, but let's start off with a missive from our great leader, Boris Johnson, uh, who has gone from being the puppet uh, to something very much smarter. Let's have a listen to what he has to say with relation to NATO and the Russians. If uh, Vladimir Putin was hoping uh, that he would be getting less NATO on, uh, on his Western uh, front as a result of his uh, unprovoked illegal invasion of, of Ukraine. Uh, he's been proved completely wrong. He's getting more NATO. This is a historic summit in many ways, uh, but we've already got two uh, new members coming in, uh, Finland and, and Sweden, uh, a, a huge uh, a step forward for our alliance. And what we're going to be doing now is, is talking about what more we can do as an alliance to support the Ukrainians, but uh, what we also need to do uh, to make sure that we think about the lessons of the last uh, few months and the need for NATO to revise its posture on, the, on, the eastern, uh, on its eastern flank. And that's what we'll be doing. Uh, well, there's Boris Johnson, and I'm sure viewers will have noticed, as we did, that um, basically he's he's been scrubbed up. He's in a smart suit. He appears to have, have washed and cleaned himself up. He's got his hair brushed. So this is uh, Boris Johnson being rebranded as the great statesman. And uh, why? Because the time is those nasty Russians are causing a lot of problems. Uh, but gloating was the word that came to mind as I watched this video clip. Boris Johnson gloating. Uh, that the Ukrainians have been successfully uh, backed up. They've been pushed forward uh, to keep fighting against the Russians, despite the horrific casualties being incurred by the Ukrainian forces and casualties by the Russian forces. But this is good news to Boris. And he almost talks about the Eastern Front right at the end. I don't know whether you noticed the slight pause there, Debbie. I think he was going to say Eastern Front, and then he changed it to flank. Um, so what have we got? We've got a very aggressive uh, NATO policy. Uh, what is the agenda to force Russia back against the wall in order to try and get all of the objectives that uh, NATO, the US, UK and the EU wants? So here's another picture from the BBC. And this one, of course, beautifully crafted. There's the glowing Boris in the, in the centre. He looks happy because he's managed to foment a war. Um, but what a difference in appearance from the Boris that we're normally used to seeing. So I'm going to label this because I think this is very skillful propaganda by the uh, BBC, NATO itself. Uh, this is getting this man rebranded from buffoon to statesman. And now we've got a war going on and clearly the UK is at war with Russia. Um, what are we calling him? Churchill. For sure. I mean, it's quite obvious, isn't it? He's he's very Churchillian. He's having his Churchillian moment, isn't he? Uh, well, I think it's a key key moment, Debbie, because, of course, this allows him to recover from all of the uh, attacks over his despicable behaviour during lockdown when he was partying and laughing at the, the nation. 
that can all be pushed under the carpet because now we've got a war. We can get people frightened, focused on that. And here is Boris Johnson looking as if butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. But the man is as devious and duplicitous as he's always been. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to remember that. So uh, another BBC headline, because remember that the BBC is the uh, uh, lead propaganda machine for the British government. Uh, but this one I really took again for the photograph. But the uh, journalist Chris Mason says stark language as NATO assesses threat from Russia. And here is Boris looking very uh, thoughtful and pensive uh, as he sits there representing the nation. So we'll just keep the tag going because I think uh, if the cap fits, wear it. And then we get into this interesting headline, defence spending. Will the government break its promise? Now, this is interesting because, of course, we've got a situation at the moment where on one hand we are at war with uh, Russia. We've got British troops, special forces on the ground in Ukraine. We are fighting the Russians. We're providing ammunition and material to Ukraine itself. But at the same time, what's the agenda? The agenda is to cut the British military. And uh, the last thing we were hearing from Ben Wallace uh, was that we were looking to cut 10,000 troops from the, from the British army. So um, we've got a strange picture where on one hand we're supposed to be ramping up the war and on the other hand we're cutting the British army. Any thoughts on that, Debbie? Uh, I know it's not your specialist area, but how do you reconcile you go to war with Russia and then you cut troops at the same time? How does this happen? Well, I mean, what, what, what can anybody say to that? You know, apparently we haven't got enough uh, troops to even fill Wembley Sorry. Stadium at the moment. And yet we're throwing all of this aid and help to Ukraine, but we haven't got anything ourselves. It's like, this Co does, it's completely insane. It's insane. Common sense out the window, gone. which is where I think it's supposed to have gone. Well, let's look at how the British Army is uh, helping Ukraine at the moment. And uh, the big thing that we've been crowing about is the training that uh, the British military has been providing to Ukraine since 2015. Interesting that the battlefield at the moment demonstrates very clearly Ukraine is losing. But despite that, Britain is still training Ukrainian troops. Let's have a look at this video clip. This is the multiple launch rocket system and it provides depth fire with precision uh, on the battle space. It's going to give them more, more mobility, which is going to aid in their survivability. They are extremely keen to learn. They're now in a position where the battery commander himself is, is now exercising his troops. and We're able to take a step back uh, and just be there for safety. Definitely see the, a high degree of motivation and dedication to the defence of Ukraine in these guys. They are committed to the training, committed to their cause, and certainly leave here with a sense of what they can do. Well, there we are, Debbie. That's the training film. Interesting that it's not only British forces, but we've also got forces from New Zealand who are conducting the training. 
Uh, the sad part is that the Ukrainians are going to be sent off knowing what they're supposed to do. But of course, they have absolutely no experience with the equipment. And the reality on the battlefield is that they are very quickly going to die and their equipment is going to be captured or destroyed by the Russians because this is what is happening on a daily basis. And of course, the great lie of the UK, uh, Ben Wallace and the West, has been that we are providing substantial weapons to Ukraine when the reality of the battlefield losses is, and the UK has shown this with the statistics, uh, that we're not even getting close to the daily losses of, of, the, of Ukraine. So it doesn't matter how much money we push into Ukraine, how many weapons we push in, the reality of the conflict at the moment is those weapons are going to be effectively useless. And I find it very sad that our military is being used in such a cynical training role, because there's no doubt that those British troops or even the New Zealand officer there uh, will not fully understand the situation on the battlefield, because we can be very, very sure that the British intelligence services and the military will simply not be telling them what is uh, really happening in Ukraine. That's in fact, even if they know, because there's been several reports in British press over the last couple of weeks to indicate that uh, the military and the intelligence services are saying they can't keep up with what is happening on the Ukrainian battlefield at any time due to the confusion. So this is a sad picture. Well, I want to bring this back on screen because uh, we were saying um, just a day ago uh, that there had been a report released talking about mental health problems in the military. This astonishing statistic, one in seven of the Royal Navy personnel with mental health problems, one in 14 for the Royal Marines, one in eight for the Army, uh, one in seven again for the RAF. Um, my question over the top of this is we've now got military Ukra uh, training Ukrainian forces do any of them have mental health issues? Debbie, you are, uh, you come from a background in uh, the NHS. Um, what do we say about these statistics? This to me seems utterly incredible that in our military, one in seven people, at least in, in some sections of it, have got mental health problems. They can't be fit to serve if you're suffering from a mental health issue in the armed forces. Absolutely not, they're not safe. It's, it's, it's simply a case of, of safety. And if it's one in seven now, what's it going to be like in three months, six months time? That number's only going to increase because the pressures are, are con they're, they're ongoing. Nothing is going to be alleviated. So, I mean, you know, and this isn't just the armed forces. You know, this is systemic doctors, nurses, yeah. everyone. Um, you know, there's a lot, a high rise of mental illness going going on up and of course as we've seen the NHS are going to be throwing help uh, to, to people with mental health issues for this for this reason because the numbers are escalating yep. hugely but these are our armed forces these are the people we're relying uh, on to keep us safe it's it is truly incredible uh, we uh, can say that if you do go and have a look at that um, MOD uh, mental health report on the armed forces, one of the things it says quite casually is, well, don't be too worried about these statistics because the uh, ratio, the proportion of people with mental health problems tends to mirror what's happening in wider UK society at the moment. So 
This is really the start of our message in this news today, that we are sensing a breakdown in the country. We're sensing breakdown in families. Uh, people are unwell, physically unwell, mentally unwell. There has to be a cause for this, and perhaps we can delve into that over the coming days. But of course, uh, if we're training Ukrainians uh, with weapons, uh, we've got to get Boris Johnson photographed, and here he is. Uh, from the BBC playing with one of the uh, um, anti-aircraft missile systems. And the reality is these weapons are going to be destroyed or captured by the Russians, as the videos now show us, in incredibly large quantities, because, of course, we're talking about uh, 6,500 plus anti-tank weapons, for example. There are many videos showing Russian troops simply collecting hundreds of these weapons from trenches that they've uh, cleared of Ukrainian forces. So this is money being thrown away, but what's the scale of it? It's truly breathtaking. So again, this report from the BBC, um, what it's doing is summarizing support. So we've got 1.5 billion given from the UK in humanitarian and economics, sorry, for humanitarian and economic support. Uh, 1.3 billion in existing military aid, much of which has already been destroyed, lost or sold on the black market. And now uh, Boris Johnson is announcing another billion pounds of military aid. So um, billions of UK taxpayers' money handed to a comedian, killing thousands every month in a war that the, the real military uh, analysts already say is already lost. It's obscene. Uh, Debbie, when, when I think of the state of the country with mm. the fact that we can't yeah. treat people with relatively simple yeah. sicknesses, we can't run the hospitals, we can't fit, fix the potholes in the road, and yet we are giving money away with, yeah. with no, no auditing system around it. What happens to this money? Whose pocket does it go into? None of these questions are being asked or asked or answered. Uh, by the by, the government or our MPs. It's being hemorrhaged. It's it's being hemorrhaged. I mean, with the cost of living, fuel costs, poverty. I mean, in this country, can you imagine what three point eight billion would do? And all we've done, from what I'm understanding, and you're right, this isn't my this isn't my expert area, but it looks as though we are literally just throwing this money away, <laughs> throwing it away. It, it is it is disappearing down the drain. There is no question of this. Well, we've described uh, Zelensky as a comedian, which of course he is. I couldn't resist putting up this uh, short clip. The humour might be fairly black, but I think it tells us exactly uh, what the situation is at the moment. Let's have a look at this. Well, it's black humour, but I think it uh, hits the spot at the end of the day because, of course, what uh, the Western press, the UK press, the US press, uh, the press and media in Europe itself, what are they trying to tell us? That uh, 
Putin is an, is an incredibly bad man. He's an idiot. He's, psych, um, he's got psychiatric problems. And if we go to the uh, Daily Mail today, uh, it says in one of its uh, headlines that Putin is a lunatic with small man syndrome. Um, and that uh, uh, Boris Johnson has also said, of course, if, if Putin hadn't been a man, but he'd been a woman, he wouldn't have made the decisions he's made. <laughs> So we're now, Debbie, we're seeing breakdown even in the reports of the papers. We're, we're seeing articles which are based on fantasy uh, being presented as reality, opinions which are quite, uh, quite obviously yeah. wrong or pathetic. We're seeing breakdown not only in society but in the reports of the papers themselves. And the breakdowns go right over just pretty much every system. You know, like I keep saying, this is systemic. This is breakdown, build back better, destroy first. Destroy first, indeed. Well, these are the, some, the sorts of uh, headlines that we're seeing at the moment. Russian invasion, Putin still wants to take most of Ukraine. Uh, that's coming out of the US. Uh, but what's the reality that the Russians are now no longer able to carry out a special operation to deal with the uh, right-wing extremists and the violence in Ukraine. Uh, well, what we've now got are further very aggressive moves by NATO, uh, which are putting the Russians under more pressure, when what we can see very clearly is that Russians are demonstrating uh, not only are they that they are capable on the battlefield, but they're able to deliver the weapons and munitions to fight that war without even mobilising. I wonder whether um, when uh, Boris Johnson and his uh, cabinet ministers meet, whether they really understand what they're up against, or is it, do you think, that they believe their own rhetoric? I think they might also have mental health problems, actually, Brian. Uh, I think that's uh, not an unreasonable comment. Well, I wonder whether they might be uh, frightened about this, and several people have sent this through to the UK column. I found it very interesting. Um, but what it is, this is uh, 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 a, a little document here which says President of Russia Vladimir Putin signed the executive order on declaring July 8th the day of family, love and loyalty. And it says, according to the order, the new date aims at the preservation of traditional family values and the spiritual and moral education of children and youth. Now, this is extremely interesting because I think that uh, let's let's just say we're taking this uh, this document as it's uh, been presented. I believe it to be correct. And is this what the West is really frightened about, Debbie, as we see breakdown in Western uh, civilization? Morality is out the door. Is this why they're really frightened of Putin? Because um, he may be an incredibly tough man. He may be prepared to take the decision to go to war in Ukraine. But behind the scenes, his morality is very different from the West. Well, it certainly it certainly seems as though I mean, from from where I'm sitting, it would certainly seems as though Putin is looking after his people far better than the West are looking after their people. And, you know, this this goes back with with Russia, too, in that I've been keeping an eye on the containers and the shipping. And it seems that Russia are, are fine. You know, they're managing very well. The rest of the world um, in the east are managing very well. They're looking after themselves. So 
maybe Putin is genuinely looking after his people's interests. I think that's a very good point. There's uh, one of the articles I will pick up for a future news, uh, but basically it was um, journalists talking about the breakdown of the US and how it was blatantly obvious that US was breaking down um, across society. It was breaking down in an economic sense. Uh, production had now been demonstrated. They couldn't produce the material, the weapons to give Ukraine even. Uh, and so we've got a contrast here, haven't we? We've got a, yeah. a, a West which is clearly starting to fragment. And we've got Russia and the Chinese who seem to be getting stronger and, and they're more stable and coherent. But of course, um, uh, all of the press in the West wants to uh, make sure that Putin is fully branded uh, very nasty. And uh, let's come back to the uh, shopping mall fire, uh, which has now hit not only the Daily Mail today, uh, but we've got further uh, video of it, which has appeared on the um, BBC's website. So many of you might have seen this clip, but let's just pop it up so that we know what we're talking about. was not far away from the place where it happened, some 500 meters away. And people were running around. And um, after about 30 minutes, I decided to go and check, check out the place. The center was just destroyed. If before we had strikes on the outskirts of the city, this time around, this is the center of the city. It's really far away from the front line. And there is no military. It's not a strategic object. So um, I just am out of words. I did not expect that some, something like this could happen in my, in my town. Well, there's the footage, and obviously the footage was taken late in the incident because the whole uh, building ablaze. Uh, but I found it very interesting that the gentleman interviewed there just described it as the place. Uh, all he talked about was the place. Um, now, in our news yesterday, we started to do some analysis on this, and I've got a bit of an update. So I wanted to make sure that UK Column uh, was making sure our viewers and listeners know exactly the information we had. Um, I've encouraged people to have a look at this uh, website, Moon of Alabama. It's one of many which are giving very good comment, uh, commentary and analysis. Uh, but what we highlighted is that they were talking about the incident and putting up some good maps to show the situation. So we talked about a park where there was some video. Uh, we showed the Credmash machine plant, which was the main target. For, that was the target of the Russians. And then it was down in the bottom uh, was the, uh, the, the shopping uh, uh, mall itself. And um, uh, if I can just uh, move on another slide, please, uh, Stephanie, you have to bring me back on shot for me to do that. So I think we got slightly out of uh, sequence here. Um, but uh, this is a still from one of the video clips, which was actually showing missile coming in. 
These clips all appear to be genuine. And so we've got the missile here in the terminal dive. But the thing to look at is what you can see low on the visual horizon is the roof of the shopping mall itself. But already from this angle, you can actually see that the missile is not, um, is not going to go for a direct hit of the shopping mall itself. So um, if, I, if I just um, add in that, of course, the target is, is, all, is in the foreground, it's the factory. This is the outside storage area. But if I go to this particular picture, we're starting to get a better in indication of what's going on. So on the left-hand side of your screen, you've got the shopping mall. That's the light gray roof and also the car park. Now, as Alinsky said, a thousand people were inside the store. Uh, all of the sites that I've looked at who've done very good analysis say they think this is extremely unlikely and that video footage of the car park doesn't indicate anywhere near these numbers. But on the right of your screen, you've got the missile strike area highlighted, and then you've got just the uh, remnants of the shopping mall following the fire. Now, this is the uh, key issue that the missile strike was on the very edge of the factory ground, but has caused collateral damage to the shopping mall itself. And we want to be very clear with our viewers and listeners that this does indeed seem to be the situation. So the missile strike came down. It did just about hit the peripheral railway to the industrial plant, but the size of the missile explosion was sufficient uh, that that was going to cause damage to them all. So um, contrary to the reports from the BBC and in press in UK, it's clear that the missile strike was targeted on the factory, but even with a precision missile hitting uh, the, the extreme edge of the target area, it did in fact cause damage to the factory. Now, had this happened in Iraq, for example, the Americans in particular would have just brushed this off as unfortunate collateral damage. This does happen in war, particularly when people hide amongst a civilian pop population to carry out their deeds. But of course, in this case, the whole world has to accuse the Russians of deliberately target targeting a shopping mall. And it just seems to me, Debbie, very unlikely and unwise that they, they would do such a thing. Why would you put all those weapons in a built up civilian area? Uh, well, the, the answer, the, the, the best answer we can give to that is that is that all of the reports coming from Ukraine demonstrate that Ukrainian forces consistently uh, uh, go into built up areas to provide defensive positions and they don't want to be caught in the open because they're going to be destroyed very quickly by the Russian troops. And of course, they bring up and disperse their munitions in areas which include uh, civilian areas. So this is well reported, including in Western press. I just want to pop this uh, screen up to thank all of the people online who are producing some very good work. Moon of Alabama, I've already mentioned, uh, but the other uh, map that I had selected there was from New World Econ, and you can find them on YouTube. So I want to make sure that we give people credit where it's due. But against the background of the war, uh, we've just got some amazing headlines today. So we've got the Iron Curtain back. So that's progress for democracy in Europe in 2022. 
Uh, we've got troop surge to defend NATO's east from Putin. So in reality, this is more NATO aggression. Uh, contrast it with um, Prince Charles there, who uh, has been caught, I believe, Debbie, with a lot of cash in a bag. In, in lots of bags. Um, and I believe now, what was the bag? Was it Fortnum and Mason's plastic carrier bags, I believe? Yes. Full of money for charity, of course. For charity, of, of course. course. So, um, but I, I'm interested in, in the contrast in these front pages because we've got the Iron Curtain, we've got troops against Putin, but then we've got an article which would cause most people really to question the monarchy. Yeah. Uh, what's going on? I think uh, we've got a story that needs to be told, but I believe it's being told because this is increasing the sense of uncertainty and breakdown in the country. Uh, we've got this one here. This is the bizarre situation where apparently we're going to, well, we are at war with Russia, uh, but we're not going to have any extra defence cash until 2025, presumably because all the cash has been given to the uh, Ukraine. Let's carry on. We've got uh, a headline here from the mail. Well, this is the most important thing ever. What is this story about, Debbie? Uh, well, apparently... Uh, Megan has allegedly bullied some of her staff um, and the staff were very unhappy. And this has obviously led to splits within the royal family. And there's been an investigation into Megan's bullying. But I think the royal family are going to keep it quiet. That's convenient, isn't it? Well, I think that's uh, fairly normal for the game. So we've got this one. Charles would never take the suitcase of cash again. Well, no, because he's been caught this time. A uh, hundred million for the royals rein it in. Apparently, they're going to be able to get some. I don't know whether it's tax cash back or whatever. But um, if we look at these headlines, it's indicative of absolute chaos in UK. And presumably a lot of that will be contributing to the stress and uh, mental health problems people face. Uh, number 10 fears that the prime minister faces a kangaroo court. Well, of course, he should face a proper court. Uh, the star, well, of course, the star's on the moon. Uh, some stupid story about a rocket. Tory privatisation linked to an increase in NHS death rates. Now we're getting into real substance. And of course, the Financial Times here talking about um, uh, high inflation and the damage that that's going to do. But seen as a spectrum, how can you focus your mind when uh, you have so many different and uh, disturbing headlines coming from each of the of the main UK newspapers. Well, this is the information cascade, isn't it? This is the overwhelm of information. And, you know, as, as most people watching know by now, if I'm coming down to the studio, I normally buy a paper. And today I chose the mail just because it was cheaper than the Telegraph. And, and we've got end of the family GP. So that's been completely broken down. We've even got, if you're a fan of Heinz baked beans or ketchup, we've got Tesco's breaking down because they're not going to be stocking it um, anymore because they don't want to roll on the price hikes to the customers. And then we've got the police in special measures as well. Three police forces in the special measures. Including the Met. Including, yeah. yes, including the Met. And th this was a, a double page spread in, in, in the mail today. Uh, one in seven are now failing as the shocking crisis in policing is laid bare. So here we go again. We've got build back better means destroy, flatten, literally get rid of everything first in order to 
build back better. Except it's not going to be no. better. But no. uh, we, we'll be talking more about the Great Reset. Okay, well, if you like what UK Column is doing, um, then please join us. Uh, we are very keen to up our numbers of uh, viewers. Sometimes it's very difficult to know how many people we're talking to. We can judge it by the number of emails we get from the varying countries around the world. So if you're watching us from overseas today, thank you for joining us and please share us with other people. Um, if you haven't visited the UK Column shop yet, please do because there's some interesting and varied items which seem to be very popular, including the bags. And I think Debbie's actually wearing today one of the uh, UK Column badges, uh, which is a simple way of promoting us when you're out and about. And of course, share the material because the whole point of doing what we're doing is to get it out to as many people as possible. Um, please do uh, give the UK column a mention if you cut out some of the video clips. We would appreciate that. But otherwise, the material is there to spread far and wide. Now, this lady, you've been a little bit concerned about, uh, Debbie. Tell us about her. Oh, uh, now, apologies to everyone, because I always get the pronunciation of her surname incorrectly, whether it's Dr. Carrie Majed or Majed. Um, but as, as people will probably know, she's been extremely active in uh, the whole against the, the narrative. And she's been talking a lot about transhumanisms, a uh, uh, transhumanism agenda and the vaccine agenda. And tragically, she was with her partner in a light aircraft. He was the pilot and they crashed. And she's been um, quite seriously injured, as has her boyfriend. Luckily, thank goodness, they're, they're making a good recovery. But um, I know that a lot of people have been very concerned about this story and I wanted to highlight it because I know that from the UK anyway, we all send our love and very best wishes for a speedy recovery because she's a very, very brave lady um, and we need her better so that she's able to return and to tell us more. Yeah, indeed. Well, we're just going to come back onto a, a subject which is one that you have to deal with, Debbie, because it affects you personally. It's the subject of sewage and sewage spills. But it seems that in the last few days, something has occurred that this subject has gone from being one that nobody wants to talk about, that uh, some of the key figures are coming under pressure. Yeah, I'm delighted at long last. And I mean, you know, we've been talking, I've been talking about sewage for the last 20 years. But now Professor Christopher Whitty um, seems to have waded in, pardon the pun. He's waded in because he's very upset with the uh, water companies for so much sewage pollution in water. So he's looking at sewage in rivers and streams and the sea. I'd love for him to know that we're living in sewage. Um, and guess what? Southwest water have been highlighted. So I'm absolutely delighted that at long last, Southwest water amongst other companies have been targeted for their absolutely despicable treatment right, or non-treatment so of sewage. Yes, yeah, Southwest Water has become the latest company targeted in an off-what investigation into suppliers, environmental performance and sewage treatment works. It comes as Professor Chris Whitty has been vocal on the pollution of the UK's waterways. So I'm delighted, but my question to Professor Christopher Whitty is if you are concerned about the amount of sewage that's going into waterways, 
what about people's homes? Um, which takes us on uh, very nicely to what does what is sewage all about? Um, and as you'll remember, we've talked about it before, a polio, um, polio was picked up in, in the sewage treatment works in the UK, in London. And I believe now that Thames Water are working with the UK HSA, who of course are in hand in hand, hand, in hand with the MHRA, and they will be investigating four million individual sewer pipes to find out where this polio has come from. So there again, we've got the looking for it now. Right. So we, we can't investigate sewage spills which invade no. people's houses, but no. now polio has come along, we can yeah. suddenly... Uh, we can suddenly be monitoring four million houses. Yeah, and COVID. Don't forget COVID. COVID because we were all told to stay at home. Uh, stay at home. <laughs> COVID is very dangerous. But I kept saying Southwest Water, in my case, were delivering it through my door and into my home all the time. But nobody seemed to be concerned about that. And it was always my question, really, is that how dangerous is COVID? You know, if it's really that dangerous, then why haven't I been rehoused? Or was it not dangerous at all? Um, so yet again, we see sewage samples um, at the top of the news and, and, and more of it now. So we're going to be seeing, doing a lot more monitoring into wastewater. Okay, and you've got some comments. If I just pop this on the screen mm -hmm. again from the uh, Sunday Telegraph. Um, it says that Chris is, concern, is concerned bathers and other recreational river users could become seriously ill by ingesting coliforms, bacteria from human feces, which can lead to severe infection. Nobody wants a child to ingest human feces, he wrote. No one expects river water to be drinking standard, but where people swim or children play, they should not expect significant doses of human um, coliforms if they ingest water, raw sewage from storm overflows and continuous discharge of waste containing viable organisms from sewage treatment works is an increasing problem. Well, you would say yeah. I've known that for years because in Cornwall we're being flooded with raw sewage, yep. but something seems to have triggered them now. So do you, do you think this is the thin end of the wedge? Um, well, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that it's triggered them, but I would like to say to anybody watching and listening, if you are thinking of coming to Cornwall or Devon um, for your summer holidays, my advice to you would be do not go in the sea, especially if it's been raining, because as soon as it rains, Southwest Water, who own the biggest, it's the biggest area of coastline in the UK, they'll pump sewage out into the sea. And the head of waste water, as was Richard Gilpin, wrote in 2012 not to paddle or swim in the sea, especially after rain. Right. I, I think Southwest Water would claim that there'd been a big cleanup operation. But no. of course, Surfers Against Sewage, one of the big groups yeah. in the Southwest, have been campaigning continuously. Yeah. And it's clear from this comment that's coming from a senior level, there's still a, a, a big problem. Huge. Right. Now, you wanted to just remind people that sewage had been used as uh, apparently an early warning of coronavirus outbreaks. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and, and here we've got a press release 
um, from the Department of Environment saying... So 2020, I'll just 20, say that was October 2020. Yep. So we knew right from the get-go that we were monitoring wastewater. And it says the project has already worked successfully in an area in the southwest of England, where sewage sampling data showed a spike in coronavirus material despite relatively low numbers of people seeking tests. Well, that's strange, Brian, isn't it? Because the Southwest, I'm presuming, means us. So we know that coronavirus is in the sewage samples. We know that polio is in the sewage samples. We know that it's not a good idea that our rivers are polluted. Literally 70% or I think it's nearly 80% of our rivers are completely dead with yeah. pollution. And yet, we're pouring it into people's homes and no one cares. Right. And Southwest Water, of course, will say it's got no money to upgrade the, uh, uh, the, the facilities, stop this happening. But of course, what's happening is the money is all being creamed off in dividends for the uh, owners of our water yeah. and sewage treatment works. And I'm just going to remind people all of this going on in UK while Boris Johnson simply hands another billion away for weapons and munitions in Ukraine. Let's have a look at this little Southwest Water video, which has made you smile, I think. It did. Early morning, got to keep going. We won't stop. Forests, moors, lakes and rivers. Inspecting, restoring the nature you love. Out before light, working into the night. Testing, preventing, improving, protecting. The wildlife, the beaches, the places you treasure, they never shut shop. So we never stop. For you tea drinkers, shower takers, Sunday roast makers, fixing, unblocking, keeping life going. A community we care for, a future we all hope for. It's you we work for. We won't stop. A lovely shining little video. Let's contrast it straight away with uh, this headline. Regulator, sorry, it's from the Daily Mail. Regulator launches probe into Southwest Water amidst concerns uh, over how it, uh, how it runs its sewage treatment works. Um, so th this is interesting. And of course, the date on it is up to date, 28th of June, 2022. Uh, if I bring in a bit more here, this is to do with the Offwatch Chief Executive, mm -hmm. David Black. Um, what have you got to say about this man? Well, um, we haven't really had a lot of help over the years from Off What. And in fact, we coined the phrase Off What Do What because they're a financial regulator and they don't have actually enforcement powers over water companies. So we've been banging our heads against a brick wall until we have a new CEO of Off What, David Black, who has been extremely vocal and very supportive of people um, who are having to suffer uh, sewer floods in their own homes. So I'm very impressed with David Black and I have written to him and he's written to me back. So cross fingers that now that Offwater are, are starting this huge inquiry into Southwest Water, we'll actually get somewhere. But I'm very impressed. So thank you very much indeed, David Black. Okay, well, that's very positive. We're just going to remind people of the sort of thing that we're talking about. So these are actual photographs from your um, area. Uh, let's bring it on screen. I couldn't produce the rain, but that effect was the closest I could get to it. So this is pictures of roads flooded and, of course, houses flooded. And your point is that when you actually look at the, the dirty water in the flood, it does contain uh, raw, raw sewage. And it's not one house being flooded. This is a whole series of houses being flooded on a regular basis. Welcome to UK 
2022. Yeah, all our houses have sewage alarms on them, not burglar alarms, but sewage alarms. And, and those pictures that you just saw of, of um, my area, according to Southwest Water, that's my imagination. It's not their water. Okay, and this, this man is the man, we're, we're, we'll end on this uh, particular gentleman, but really it's on his watch, is it, as to uh, what's going on? Uh, yes, this is the customer service experience manager, and he tells me that I have had a good experience. And so he wrote to me and said, I'm acutely aware that you feel I'm not the appropriate person to be dealing with the matter or the person that you would be confident to meet with. This is for the reasons that we were offered to speak to the customer services director before. And then all of a sudden we're getting a customer services manager meeting us. Um, he said, I understand your views, um, that I do not understand the history of the matters. No, he doesn't understand the history because he's only been in employment with Southwest Water for one year. And the absolute technical details associated to the network, the history or the interventions by the STAR project, that's the flood scheme project. I have noted your comments about the customer experience you have encountered following the incident. Although I accept and value your view on this, having reviewed my actions and email responses, I'm afraid we'll have to agree to differ on that. In my email responses and during my visit, which I made this afternoon after Debbie's email to our CEO in the morning, I tried to listen and show empathy with both the history and the ongoing worry you will have when heavy rainfall is predicted or occurs. I hope the copy of my email to Debbie below is consistent with that. I'm sorry this is a long email, but I want to be clear on our positions. So, you know, Brian, I, I said I hadn't had a good customer experience. It, you know, you tend not to when you've got raw sewage in your house. But he's actually decided that he's going to disagree with me, that I did have a good customer service experience. And there's, my my opinion doesn't matter one bit as long as his opinion is, is right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Well, we'll just, just end on these two very quickly because I do want to get on to the next uh, yeah. subject, Debbie, but off what, doing some reasonable work or not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for people that want to freeze the screen, there's a very nice letter from uh, David Black uh, in response to me saying thank you for starting an investigation on Southwest Water. So, uh, yes, I'm very hopeful that David Black will will help us out a bit. Right. And what about this lady? And this is Emma Clancy of Consumer Council for Water. So if anybody has any problems with water, whether it be drinking water or foul water, please know that there is an association called Consumer Council for Water that will help you. And we're very pleased to see that Emma is in contact with us directly as well. Okay, brilliant. And I, I'm going to say, as usual, Debbie, you've stayed on the case with these people. You're, you're, you, <laughs> once you get your teeth in, you stay with them. You're communicating with them in a very polite... June Rain should speak to Southwest Water, perhaps. Well... <laughs> Then she'll know what I'm like. We'll deal with uh, June rain in, in, in due course. Let's come on to this uh, next subject. And I find this quite incredible. Tell us about it. No, uh, 911 call handlers should get access to patient records, MPs told. Yeah, now I'm just very concerned. A lot of people that I speak to say they've opted out of sharing their NHS data. They do not want their medical records shared with anybody. But it would seem that 111 call handlers will have um, some kind of access to your medical records. And of course, in this article, you can see at the bottom, there's our friend Jeremy Hunt, 
Uh, Jeremy Hunt, the former health secretary and chairman of the committee, asked Mr. Taylor what reforms could be made to general practice to ensure patients are seen by the right part of the health system in a timely fashion. So this is all going to be about saving time. And your face-to-face -face appointments, as we showed yesterday's news, your face-to-face -face appointments are going to be via a digital app. So, you know, this is where we're going to now. We're going to, who are these NHS 11 callers? Are they qualified? Are they nurses? Are they, well, we saw who from, are they? We saw from COVID, Debbie, that many cases they clearly weren't. Some of them were very nice. They were clearly Ooh. young often young people trying to yeah. do a good job. But who are these people to have access to your personal medical records? It's, it's, we don't know. it's incredible. But if people are thinking, whoa, I don't like the sound of that, then uh, have a look at this, which uh, Debbie's been on to. Uh, who has ears? What are we talking about? <laughs> well, they actually do have ears. I mean, you know, I'd love for, for Alex to be here today because I'm sure he would tell us that GCHQ have got ears and we all expect GCHQ to have ears but who have got this program called EARS, the Early AI Supported Response with Social Listening, and they're basically listening to us. This is and World, Health Organization. World Health Organization. For people who haven't picked up on what we're talking about, this is the World Health yeah, Organization. Yeah, sorry, the World Health Organization. And on the, on the right, um, you see where it says data, and then you've got a, a number, 80 million. And as you go on to the page, the clock ticks over, so you can see how many posts are being read, how many conversations are being listened to. And this is real-time information. So they want to know in every country, what's the topic of discussion? Right, so if I bring this on, uh, it's got a bit more. It says the early AI-supported response with social listening platform from the World Health Organization is for health information professionals to have, quote, real-time information on COVID-19 narratives of the general public so they can manage as the infodemic evolves. Uh, the data is based on samples of people's opinions in public sources updated daily. Mm. Public sources include Twitter, Facebook, public pages, forums, news comments and blogs. Uh, they collect in nine languages and the volume of data is collected per country varies. More countries and languages are coming soon. Yeah. So you pointed out that they were manipulating public opinion yep. by using what they called trusted mentors. They were grooming individuals to go on TikTok in order to uh, skew public opinion to believe the scientists who were pro-COVID, pro-vaccine. Yes. And now we, we know that the World Health Organization has got its own spying arrangement to watch what we're doing. And if we just add some substance to this report, uh, here we are. So um, we've got top categories of conversation, 12.7% supported care, 11.1% COVID-19 vaccine, 9.3% industry and economic impact, 44 uh, demographic vulnerability and risks, 4.4% uh, current treatments, 4 miss and disinformation, 3.9% reduction of domestic movement, and 3.6% travel measures. So, it is. Uh, I'm having this trouble a lot with UK column news these days. It's almost difficult to know what to say that this organisation has taken it upon themselves to spy on your conversations and discussions. Uh, and here's a bit more from their own statistics uh, where they're talking about top keywords, rising keywords, top hashtags, mm -hmm. rising hashtags. Um, 
so the, the text is a bit small. We just read a couple of them from left to right. So top keywords, we've got things like COVID, NHS, people, pandemic, care, vaccine, health, uh, vaccines, patients, key, rising keywords, vaccine, polio, Brexit, mRNA, Moderna, rollout, top hashtags, NHS, COVID-19, long COVID, rising hashtags, COVID's not over, London, polio. But my question would be, we know the, they're trying to manipulate what people think and thus talk about. So they've got a department that is skewing people's thought process. This department is monitoring how well they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, you know, the UN and the WHO are hand in hand and the UN, as we know, have been using trusted messengers on TikTok. So the whole thing's been manipulated. But for anybody that's interested to go and have a look at this, all you have to do is put into a search bar, WHO, World Health Organization, and EARS, and up will pop the page. And you can look at all the different countries. In different countries, they have different rising keywords and rising hashtags. So just pick your country and, and see what's going on in, in the country of your interest. Okay. And well, if that's who, of course, the next place we go to look for behavioral modification is our very own cabinet office. So uh, you were a bit stunned to receive <laughs> this one. What have we got here? I couldn't believe it. I had an email for anybody that wants to. It really is a really good thing. Sign up to Eventbrite. And this is where we get the notifications for the MHRA board meeting. But Eventbrite do an awful lot of government um, webinars. And so I was stunned to see that the Cabinet Office were inviting me to a webinar on behavioural science. So if anybody would like to attend, and I know quite a few people are attending, and I have booked my ticket, um, it's on Wednesday the 6th of July from 9.30 till 10.30 uh, British Standard Time. Um, and it will be talking about uh, misinformation and the cost of living and the struggles that we're all having at the moment. And this is from the Cabinet Office. So I was just completely stunned. You know, you don't expect to get an invite to a webinar like that. But anyway, it's there. So if anybody would like to join, please just sign up. And this is about behavioural science yeah. theory and how it can inform your communications. Uh, there's a bit more here behavioural science in practice. So, of course, the UK column, very outspoken on the dangers of this politically applied behavioural science. And it was a UK column that broke the Spy B uh, board meeting or meeting uh, where they were boasting that they were going to use applied behavioural science to make people more fearful during the COVID pandemic yeah. so that they would better adhere to the government's lockdown policies. And um, I think we're allowed to say we've been talking to uh, trained psychologists over the last couple of weeks, and those psychologists are deeply concerned about what they're seeing, about the use of this type of applied psychology. Um, do you think, Debbie, we could say there's, there's a glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel that some of these professionals are now also getting pretty worried about what's going on? Yes, I do think there's some light at the end of the tunnel, uh, but I think it is a tunnel and I think a lot more we need to do an awful lot more and, and, and more professionals, medical professionals need to stand up. We haven't got enough yet. OK, well, we just bring this extra little bit up on the screen because this is what the Cabinet Office says. The Cabinet Office Behavioural Science Team will present ideas on how to support people with the cost of living crisis alongside strategies for engaging the public on green actions 
they can take, which could also help lower their bills over the coming winter and help with plans to develop deliver net zero. The team will also present their new counter misinformation toolkit that explains the psychology of false beliefs and which offers additional solutions to countering them that don't rely solely on fact checking and debunking, which can often backfire. So many people, I, I think, when they when they hear those sort of words, uh, what's being described there will think it's some sort of joke. But of course, we know that it's far from a joke as this applied behavioral science is very effective, but also, of course, can be very dangerous in that if people have got uh, mental health, underlying mental health problems, this manipulation can cause them even greater problems. So people could get into that conference, Debbie, yeah. and challenge it. It's free, by the way, so you don't have to pay just because it says, um, you know, get your tickets and order your tickets. They are free tickets. Okay. Uh, well, with an eye on the clock, we'll definitely just bring this up on the screen because, of course, the MHRA is a key subject for you. And you've been tracking how the MHRA has been interacting with people who've clearly suffered vaccine injury. Can you tell us about this well, one? Well, this is lovely Wayne, who we have interviewed, uh, who was injured after an AstraZeneca. And uh, he contacted me um, just yesterday with this letter and asked if we would like to show it. And we certainly would. It's from Alison Cave. And it's very concerning, really. On the second sheet, you might see it says at the top, uh, these are questions from Alison Cave. You mentioned your blood pressure uh, was uncontrollably high. Had, your, had, had you previously had high blood pressure? When was your blood pressure last measured? Can you please provide details on whether you've experienced any of the following limb weaknesses, muscle spasms, tingling or bladder problems, sexual problems, visual problems? If you are able, please, can you provide a timeline from your... I mean, honestly, this goes on and on. I, I mean, please freeze the screen and read it because I know we're short of time. But this gentleman who's already feeling extremely unwell and has been looking for answers and, and asking for help for so long now is being asked even more questions, having to navigate his way through a whole new letter. Now send it back to Alison Cave and give her all the information. And what is Alison Cave going to do with it? Is she just going to give it to the researchers or is she actually going to give this gentleman the help, the individual one-to-one -one help and advice that he needs? And I worry that he's not going to get the latter and that all of the questions when he's answered them, that data is going to go back to Big Pharma, uh, to, to Big Pharma and researchers. Meanwhile, nothing happens. Nothing happens. And although we're showing this particular letter, we know that there have been other similar letters yes. sent to other people suffering from yeah. vaccine adverse reactions. And we just want to highlight again, if you haven't uh, heard the interview that we did way back in April 2021 uh, with a lady who's Nicola, whose husband uh, suffered really quite quick onset of very um, debilitating effects, Guillain-Barre syndrome. Um, have a listen to the audio here and think that this was the audio testimony that this lady gave us that resulted in YouTube banning the UK column for supposedly spreading misinformation. But as we showed yesterday, um, this is now fully in the public domain. We're delighted to say that this man has made some form of recovery after 438, sorry, 430 days in hospital. But the key bit is he's now been 
awarded a £120,000 payout, which recognises the vaccines do damage and indeed kill some people. Yeah. So MHRA should be taking this um, very seriously. MHRA should, and we're ab absolutely delighted for Anthony that um, you know he's he's had this payment awarded, and and bravo to Nicola and uh, their two daughters, who have been absolutely dogged in their determination and been talking about this. But one hundred and twenty thousand pounds is nothing considering what they've been through. Okay. Well, we're just going to end very quickly uh, on the last few slides. Slightly different topic here, but. Um, many people get very excited over uh, immigration. They're very uh, emotional over asylum camps. Uh, our view on this is very clear that the migrants are being used to help enable uh, breakdown in the host country. So the migrants are being cynically used by governments and the international power bodies. And it's articles like this in the Express, which whilst they may be accurate, are clearly having a very um, uh, what's the word, adverse effect on, on people who simply cannot understand they can't get health treatment. But here with the headline, Britain's first asylum camp to have bespoke health service with its own GPs and dentists. I think the contrast is to rub people's nose in it and what's the ultimate objective, further breakdown in the country. So don't blame the people who've left countries at war or been forced out of their own country, we should be looking at who's creating the migration policy. Yeah. And of course, this is Linton on Ooze, who we reported on a couple of weeks ago, and where they're expecting up to 1,500 young male um, asylum seekers. There's only 600 people in the village, and some of them don't have access to, to doctors and dentists. And yet, now we see all of these facilities being put in for the asylum seekers. So you can imagine why the local community is feeling a little bit hard done by, and I completely understand why. Okay, well, this one, I, I think we had to bring in as well. Um, this is uh, uh, Wales Online here. Wales is giving people 1,600 a month, uh, sorry, he's giving people 1,600 a month in a trial of basic income. No, well, what, we what, what a surprise, because here we go. Um, it sounds good. But uh, once people are on that and they're locked into the system, you are utterly controlled. But we'll do more on that in due course. And Debbie, you found this little tweet which had come out. Total wealth of the UK's billionaires, 2012, 212 billion, 2022, 653 billion. That's up threefold. Remember that when the Tories say we can't afford to increase workers' wages, uh, there's plenty of wealth. It's just in the wrong hands. Well, I've no faith that the Labour Party is going to do anything about it either. And uh, you wanted to point out here that the MPs are, are to get another pay rise. That's to keep them all in line and keep the uh, weapons going to Ukraine. Meanwhile, we're left with the madness of we're back on the key subject of boys wearing skirts. This is the attack on the minds of our young people. So this is Wyndham High Academy based in Norfolk. Uh, complaints that boys are being forced to wear trousers in the summer months, regardless of the hot weather. So the solution was, well, you can wear skirts. Any comments? No. OK, good. Tell us about this one. Oh, this is just the wonderful Bob Moran. Um, and 
this was I, I found this on Telegram. Bob Moran's got some amazing cartoons, and there you have Boris, or is it Boris? I think it is. It looks a bit Boris. -like. It looks a bit Borisy. Um, I mean, how asleep do you have to be before you wake up? Um, he's a busker. We've got steel toe cap boots. I mean, there's studs on the bottom of his shoes. We've got the ball and chain to the WEF. It's just brilliant, Bob Moran. Okay, and finally, that's Boris. <laughs> Indeed, uh, those are the little daggers in his back. But initially, when I looked at it, I thought, well, were they were they the vaccines? And if so, he deserved all of them. But there we go. See, the dagger is in the shape of a crucifix as well. Oh, of course. All right. Well, we will end it there. We'll say thank you very much to our UK column audience for joining us. We've got a lot more material to cover on what's happening in health. We're looking at the structure of UK column news and uh, our other uh, programs in order to decide how we're going to cope with this. So be prepared for some changes. And uh, we'd just like to say once again that everything you see in the expansion of UK column has only been able to happen due to the tremendous support you gave us, particularly in the lockdown period. So I'll say gently, if you're not a subscriber with us, or not a member of UK column at the moment, please join. Uh, or make a donation because we can only do what we do with your financial support. Debbie, thank you for joining me. Thank you to our audience for joining us. And uh, UK Column News will be back at the same time tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.